This podcast is powered by betonline.ag. Remember to use that promo code CLNS50 for your sign-up bonus. Welcome into the A-List podcast. I'm Kwani A. Lunas, joined by A. Sherrod Blakely. And I have a, so he's frozen. I did all that for no reason. Oh, he's here. I couldn't tell. I wasn't frozen. I was well, you I was just stood just, there staring I at was me. Locked, as I was locked in, Kwani, being completely focused and locked into what you were saying. It's like anyway, that. it's like I that when you talk about betonline.ag. Yes, I have a package that just arrived at my door today, and it relates to our podcast. I opened it so you don't have to wait for me to unbox it. But Mirren's book just showed up on my front step. Well, not really, in my mailroom. So if you haven't gotten it yet, make sure you check it out. I'm excited to read this and get into the mind and story of Giannis. I got the hardback copy at my home. I've got the Kindle version on my phone. All right. Always have to one-up me. Goodness gracious. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's okay. I forgive you. It's all good. It's okay. How you so, been? What you think about I've these been, Celtics and the moves that they've been making? You know what? They've been pretty good. I mean, I, I, I love their depth, making moves that are going to make them better. Brad Stevens is showing us something that, you know, side of I didn't think he had in him. Uh, I, Brad, I just might bring Brad to the barbecue with some of the moves he's made. I, I kind of like what I see. I like this Brad. I like Brad the GM. I really do. There are things about Brad the GM that you could come and hang with me. I like this. Um, I think that I think they're starting to get players that will just fit in better with the vision. I think Ime Yudoka has for this team. Brad has shown the ability to do. I have respect for Brad because he is about doing what he feels is the best thing to do, even if it might conflict with how he feels towards someone personal level. Much respect, and that is something that a lot of coaches, when they make that transition from being a head coach to being in a front office, they struggle with that because when you're with these guys as a coach. Day in, day out, you're going to practice, you're eating together, you're doing who knows what together. And then you you switch to being kind of their, not just their coach, but their boss boss. The person who literally controls whether you stay on a team or you out in Siberia, a.k.a. Sacramento. That changes things. And Brad has shown a very seamless transition to his new role, uh, which I, I think is, again, it's a, it's a great thing to see. We'll get more into that with our guest that's coming up, but... You are in Vegas. My flight is still on its way there. You've talked to a few people close to the organization. What have those conversations been like? And who did you talk to? Well, I had a chance. Me and Danny Ainge actually had a a good conversation shortly after he arrived here. And the one thing that I, I found really interesting was that he made it clear that all the decisions that we're seeing being made now are Brad Stevens and his staff's decisions. But Danny has made himself available as a sounding board, and they're taking advantage of that. Him and Brad have had lots of communication this summer. Uh, and the thing that, that Danny said, the coolest part about what he does now is they can ask me, I could tell them, or I could not tell them. I don't have to have input into whatever they're doing. It's my choice if I want to. And he would, at this point, he just wants to give them someone who they can bounce things off of, and he can just give them some advice that he learned along the way. And then ultimately they have to decide whether to use what he's giving him advice about or just discard it. And I, I think the way Brad Stevens has kind of done things so far, clearly 
he's listened to to Danny, but I don't think he's done everything the way Danny would have done it, which to me, I think there's a lot you, you have to respect that Brad is, is not trying to appease his old boss. He's trying to get the damn job done right now, which is why Brad did come to the barbecue because it's about getting the damn job done. There we go. Have you talked to anyone else? Uh, actually, I had to talk. I had a chance to talk with our good friend Grant Williams, uh, aka El Vice Presidente. Yeah, uh, he recently elected, yes, recently <laughs> elected to the uh, NBA Players Association Executive Board, uh, a board that consists of nine members. Him and Jalen are the only two teammates that are on the board, so says a little a lot about their leadership. But the big thing that I wanted to find out about Grant, and I think it's the biggest question that Celtics fans were, were curious about, is why the hell aren't you playing on this damn summer league team? What's what's the deal? And and he explained to me that basically his exit meeting with Brad Stevens, he was given a choice. And Brad's basically the way Grant explained it to me was there wasn't this pressing need for him to play because in his time in the Celtics, he's already played 123 games. So it wasn't as if he was. And he said if he had been hurt or he hadn't played as many games, then he probably would have been on the team and he probably would have wanted to play. But mm-hmm. I played I played 123 games. I am not hurt. So there's not a whole lot for him to have gotten out of summer league other than to make folks like me and, and Celtics fans appease <laughs> that he is playing more games because we want to see him get better. Uh, I, I thought he had a very up and down season. I, and he, him and I, we talked about just his season in general and some of the things that he's looking to do and to become a more reliable scorer. And I think for him, that's a natural progression that he should want because when you have a Jason Tatum, you have a Jalen Brown, you've got all these really dynamic offensive-minded players, teams are going to adjust their defense to try to limit them. That means guys like you, Grant, are going to be wide open or lightly guarded. So knocking down open shots, I think, is a big priority for him this offseason. Only time will tell if he can actually do that with the kind of consistency that I think he needs to, and the Celtics certainly need him to. There we go. You heard it straight from Grant via Sherrod. <laughs> Why is not playing summer league? <laughs> there you go. And that's what he told me. So up next, we have a guest, a special guest who writes for basketballnews.com. We'll bring him in. He's now. got a fancy title now and everything. I heard. I gotta ask him about that. He used to be one of my grinders, but now he's kind of like, How you doing up there, fella? Fella? <laughs> okay. We welcome in now our guest, Alex Kennedy of basketballnews.com. And like Sherrod gets excited about his title. Alex, what's your title at basketballnews.com? It is chief content officer. And before Sherrod jumps in here, I did not make it up myself. I did not give it to myself. Uh, but yes, that is my title. Like When I story. saw that title, when I saw that title, I thought, wow, Alex was one of the people. Look at him now. He's, <laughs> he's a chief content officer. Hmm. I felt I felt so bad for about 90 seconds, and then I realized hey, someone probably gave him that title. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Sherrod's known me since I was literally like 16 years old. So yes. we go way back here. So I, I can imagine why that, that sounds so strange to you. Uh, but it did seem weird when I first heard it too. I, you know, I, I was in the past, I've been like senior writer, senior editor, you know, managing editor. But to yeah. go to that, that sounds, you know, way more important than I actually am. Uh, but yeah. 
What a lovely yes, he's, love. It. He's still one of our. He's still one of my guys. I, I love Alex. I love Alex. And hopefully the Celtics fans will love one of their new guys, a guy by the name of Dennis Schroeder, uh, the German Rondo, as I recall him being referenced to uh, many, okay. many years ago. I could get uh, one. So, <laughs> so here's, I mean, I, I've got, I've got my own feelings about it, but I'm just curious, Alex. I mean, you've been around the league for a really long time. You've, you've seen Dennis uh, play plenty of times. You've, you've, you've talked to people who know him. What's, why should Celtics fans feel good about this? I think for the Celtics, I mean, this is such a cheap deal, a bargain deal. If this deal had happened on the first day of free agency, uh, if they had signed into a one-year, $5.9 million deal, imagine the reaction that, you know, people would have had around the league. Fans have been freaking out, praising Brad Stevens, saying this is an insane deal. His stock has been hurt because people, you know, teams passed on him in free agency, and we saw him have to wait longer than pretty much all the notable guys, you know, to sign a deal. So that's kind of why his stock's been hit a little bit. Everyone's making fun of him on Twitter, talking about him passing up all that money, $84 million. But, I mean, that kind of – uh, we're forgetting this is a guy that was offered $84 million several months ago. So to get him at $5.9 million you know, for one year is pretty remarkable. So I think, you know, for, for Schroeder, I get it. You know, he gets to sign a prove it deal above the minimum on a playoff team, you know, that where you know, he should get a lot of attention. Uh, there's significant playing time there. So he's going to be able to go in kind of show what he can do. And then he can try to hit free agency again next off season and, you know, sign a bigger deal. Um, I think for the Celtics, it's really a low risk, high reward move. Uh, even if he is horrible and this doesn't work out at that contract and what he's shown over the last two years with the Lakers and Thunder, they could even just move him. So there's really no downside if you're the Celtics. I think uh, if they had signed him to that second year with a player option, like had been rumored that he apparently wanted, you know, you could start getting to, okay, well, they'd be hard capped. Now all of a sudden, you know, he can come back for a second year and limit your flexibility a little bit on a one-year deal. Uh, I don't think there's really any downside for the Celtics. I think uh, if he's able to contribute like he did in OKC as a sixth man and, and score a ton when he averaged, you know, 19 points, or if he starts and, you know, is more of a facilitator and like he did last year with the Lakers when he averaged 15, six and three, um, I think that, you know, that's that's huge for this team that, you know, obviously was looking for some point guard help after moving on from Kemba Walker. So I think it makes a ton of sense for the Celtics. There's a ton of teams out there that would have loved to have him at this price, I think. Uh, obviously, he didn't get the big bucks that he wanted, but to get him on such a bargain deal, I think it's a huge win for Brad Stevens at the Celtics. It, it, I mean, I, I when rumors began to surface that that this was something that, that the Celtics were interested in doing, my first thought was, come on, stop, people. There's no <laughs> way that they can get this guy who clearly is in that high teens, low 20s, maybe even mid 20s as far as millions per year range. They don't have the money. It's like going to the dealership and saying, I want a Maybach, and you don't have enough money for a Mazda. That's not going to, it's not going to get done. And yet, lo and behold, they just, they put, to me, this was very Danny Ainge-like as far as holding out, just the market is going to just calibrate in such a way that I can get the guy that I want for the price that I want. Because the other thing too, Alex, and you know this, they could have given him a larger mid-level. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna give you the smaller one. And it, it makes me think about like when you go to the grocery store and you see that bag of Twizzlers and it's a dollar fifty-nine, but your shopping cart says you can get it for 99 cents. Are you really gonna pay more when you don't have to? Of course not. This to me, yeah. I would I, I I'm not sure which was the bigger bang for your buck deal. This one or or Oladipo going back to Miami, because it's pretty close between the two. Mm -hmm. 
I would say it's this one because Oladipo, there were concerns about, you know, if he would even sign this offseason until he could prove that he was healthy. So with Schroeder, there's none of those question marks surrounding him with the health and everything like that. And we've seen Schroeder play at a higher level more recently. Yeah, Oladipo has had the higher, you know, point in his career a few years ago with Indiana when he was all NBA, but he, you know, he's really had a, a, a pretty big fall since then. So I think Schroeder is the better deal and probably the safer deal to be honest you know yeah it's a minimum deal for Oladipo but it's a there's a possibility that we don't see Oladipo play very many games this year because of the injury stuff he's gonna miss a big chunk of the season with that uh the injury so yeah I think this is a better deal um but yeah I, I love it I think it makes a whole lot of sense um and I think you know you're right they, they really were there, there was no other teams that could offer what the Celtics could offer in terms of like the significant playing time on a playoff team you know so there were teams out there that could have either given him more money but you know maybe he wouldn't have uh, been able to go, you know, have a lot of exposure or go to the playoffs. Maybe, you know, there were teams out there that maybe were were better teams or were offering, you know, the same amount of money, but they didn't have the same kind of playing time to offer. So I think the Celtics recognized, hey, we have the best situation for him. So we don't need to give him that second year in a player option. We don't need to give him the full mid-level and hard cap ourselves. You know, we get to keep our cap flexibility. And I think that's a big thing we've, we've seen, you know, uh, Brad Stevens in this front office, they really value that flexibility going forward. So uh, we've seen a lot of shorter deals and, and things there. So I think it makes a ton of sense. And I think for Schroeder too, this is a good opportunity for him because he will get that significant playing time. And we've seen, he's a guy that is not a great shooter. He's a 33% three-point shooter throughout his career. So the fact that he's surrounded by so many good shooters, I think will really help him too. You know, that that's going to benefit him a lot. Um, so I, I just get why he chose Boston and why Boston was happy to sign him at that price. It seems like it could be a win-win for both sides. Yeah. Another person who just got a title change is Brad Stevens. He's now the GM, as you mentioned. What has been your impression on the moves that he's made so far for Boston? I think he's done a really solid job. You know, um, we saw that uh, the Kemba Walker trade happened very quickly, you know, very right after he took over the job. Um, you know, I, I know some people were critical of that, but I think it makes sense to bring in someone like Al Horford who you're familiar with and can have a big impact on and off the court, um, you know, especially in the locker room with his leadership and mentoring some other guys and things there. Um, I think he's done a solid job. I think, uh, you know, Boston has a number of young guys that they can develop. We're seeing some of them here in Las Vegas and Summer League that, you know, could step up and take on a bigger role. Um, I think this the shooter deal again, like we just talked about. I think it's one of the best moves of this offseason, so he deserves credit for that. And again, I, like I said before, if this had happened on the first day of free agency, imagine the praise we'd be hearing for Brad Stevens. But because it's happening now, whenever everyone just wants to make jokes about Schroeder and and you know troll him on Twitter, uh, you're not really hearing a whole lot about it. It's just all about you know the negative stuff. So. I think he's done a great job. It's very hard to make that transition when you've never really had experience in a front office and you've just been a head coach. It's a whole different set of responsibilities. So the fact that he's already doing a great job is pretty impressive. And he's only going to get better, you know, the more experience he has. Uh, so I think it's a great start for him. Yeah, the, the big thing about Brad is, is and it's, it's really, it's, it's the same way when you're a player. I mean, just figuring out your tempo, your pace, the rhythm that you have to play with in order to be effective. And I thought, you know, he, he kind of threw us for a, 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 you know, threw us off guard when Whiffin it seemed like, damn, seconds after getting a job, Kevin Walker was gone. It was like, damn, you you used to like talk just glowingly effusively yeah. about your love. Like, really feel, Brad. <laughs> and you just like, okay, Kemba, hey, damn, bye bye. Well, wait, what? And something Brad really that cutthroat, and then right. you look at. And then you look at the Schroeder deal, 
and you're thinking there's no way in hell that Brad has any shot of making this happen. But it's okay because it, it felt very much like so many other players where they've got their top three or four lists and the Celtics on their top three or four lists. But we know damn well that the Celtics are going to be, always be second runner-up, third runner-up, or they're just not going to cut it. And yet, lo and behold, team after team fell off. Brad was in position to make something happen, and he pulled the trigger right time and to me that has been I think the most impressive thing about Brad so far is the moves are pretty good but the timing of the moves is impressive like if he would have really went in hard on Schroeder earlier it got done because Schroeder would have been like look you know I made 20 million dollars I'm the freaking German Rondo and I'm 28 years old you can't be coming out with me no please I'm so much better later wait how much I offered again with a pin at we do our side. Yeah. Oh, that, and, and to me, that's just, I, I, as much as and easy as it is to troll, you know, Schroeder for basically pissing away $78 million, <laughs> I would much rather talk about how Brad Stevens low key just kind of trolled him as as his people were putting out how, you know, he should get more, da 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 da. And Brad's just like, we'll be right here when you're ready. Just say the word. Yeah. We'll be right here. And they got their. I'm glad you mentioned. I'm glad you mentioned how cutthroat Brad is too, because I think that's a huge. That's something you have to be when you're, you know, in that role. And I think that's why we've seen a lot of other head coaches that have taken on like both titles at the same time have really struggled. There's there's executives around the league that I've talked to that have said that they don't want to get close to their players because they know they're going to have to turn around and trade them, and you know they have to make those hard business decisions. So if you're super close to your your players and you have those strong relationships, sometimes that can kind of cloud your judgment with things. So I think the fact that We've seen, you know, even though he did say, you know, plenty of positive things about Kemba Walker, and I'm sure they had a good relationship. The fact that he it didn't really stop him from making that move, and he was pretty cutthroat, I think that shows that you know he can make the important decisions and, and can really thrive in that role. So I think that's impressive, and I think one thing that's good too is I'm glad Boston didn't try to give him both titles. We've seen that really hasn't worked, you know, in around the NBA because then you're it's so conflicting. I think when you're uh, you know running a front office, you need to have a, a long-term view of the organization. Whereas when you're a head coach, you're looking at how you win the next game and focus on every game and you're willing to sacrifice the future to make sure you can win right now. So, I think it li- allows Brad to kind of have that long-term view of things. I think he's also done an incredible job, you know, with the the coaching search. I think that is something that he deserves credit for. I was very curious too to see how someone as respected as Brad as a coach now runs a coaching search. We don't really get to see that very often where a guy who basically, you know, that this, this kind of thing doesn't happen where a guy's picking his replacement as a head coach, you know, weeks after the, the season ended and he's now in the position where he's hiring the guy. It's so strange. But I think Ime Yudoka, he's someone that's so uh, respected. And, um, you know, I think that was just an incredible hire too. So I'm a big fan of what Brad has done so far. I'm quite, I'm curious for you guys, what's the perception around, you know, Celtics fans of how Brad's doing and what, you know, what this front office has done this offseason? Well, it, to me, it's it's a typical Celtics roller coaster ride. Uh, when Brad first got the job, it was like, oh, okay, this is okay. But damn it, Danny left him nothing to work with. Danny, 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 Danny. And Brad's like, okay. And so then he trades Kevin Walker, gets out Horford. And that was kind of, I thought it was kind of mixed. I thought it was pretty even. And then for agency stars, or well, well, then the draft comes around and they draft an 18-year-old kid from France. And people are like, eh, it's 45th pick, no big deal. And then yeah. for agency starts, and everyone is making moves, and the Celtics are. And it's like, damn it, Brad, how can you? Da, 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 da. So then they hated him. And then he pulls this little rabbit out of and gets, you know, the German bill for 5.9 pennies on a dollar. 
And now all of a sudden, you yeah. know, we're, we're ready to put a bust up in front of the TD guard of Brad Stevens because he's just amazingly awesome. Now. So uh, that's Celtics fandom in a nutshell right there. Here's the thing I, I will say about Brad, and, 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 and we, can, we can move on from here, but I love the fact that Brad as a head coach never seemed to be flustered or frustrated or, or moving too slow. Brad as a GM is the same way. He's consistent. And to your point, Alex, uh, his ability to separate the personal connections and feelings that he has for players from, I got to get this done, is impressive. Because I know of some coaches who were able to have enough success where they were then given the power to be the coach and GM. They struggled with that. They struggled yeah. with that to the point where they left the franchises eventually in kind of a pretty crappy place. And Brad, you know, what, however long he stays in this position, because again, I, I don't believe that Brad will be here significantly long. I think he's a stopgap measure till they transition into a different era. Um, but he's in good shape. Uh, and I and I think the way that he's going about doing it is the way that you should do it. Uh, hire a smart coach uh, who has a gritty, grimy work ethic, strong work ethic, uh, who has been around the league long enough. I'll add that I definitely never thought I'd hear Brad Stevens and Cutthroat in the same sentence. But to Sherrod's point, the fact that he has been able to step into really that bad boy role because – we look at the franchise, Danny has always been that bad guy, trainer, trader Danny, everyone looked at him as the enemy. But Brad being so beloved by fans and now stepping into that role in a way, which still doesn't really seem abrasive considering that he is making these cutthroat moves. I think Celtics fans, from what I gather, are impressed with what he's done so far. So I am curious to see how long he can stay on there in their good graces until he makes a move that maybe they wouldn't necessarily like. Well, you know who yeah, we're always impressed with, Alex, before we go on, we're always impressed with our good friends from betonline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. <laughs> Baseball season is doing its thing. We've got summer league basketball. you got this, that, and the other. BetOnline's got all the news, odds, and information for all your sporting needs. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything and everything you can imagine. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't forget the promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, Alex, you're about to say something. <laughs> no, I was just agreeing with you guys. I think it makes sense. You know, he's he's someone I, I trust his, uh, you know, his talent evaluation. I think, uh, you know, he's someone that I think does a good job of merging analytics and you know eye tests and things like that so yeah i think he's gonna do a great job uh and he's still so young too he's someone that i think he's succeeded pretty much everywhere he's been uh when he kind of puts his mind to something and works on it so yeah i think i think his future is bright in this uh in this position yeah, absolutely and speaking of bright futures that's why we're here in vegas to see some of these young stars of the future uh, you, you can't have this conversation without starting with the number one pick, Cade Cunningham. Have you, have you had a chance to see Cade play uh, much, Alex? Yeah, so I've watched some of Cade. I'll be honest, you know, we're running around doing so many interviews here. You know, we're always, you know, backstage post game. That's where you and I have been seeing each other a lot. Yeah. Um, so I've seen, I've seen a little bit, you know, I think, to be honest with you, I've been more impressed with Jalen Green than Cade Cunningham so far. Um, I think, you know, Cade, here's the way I always describe his game. I think he was a very safe pick for Detroit. I think he's going to have a, a long career, 15 years, and, you know, he does have a lot of upside, uh, but his floor is just so high. 
Uh, I think he, you know, there's no question he's going to be a really significant contributor on a team for a long time. But when you just watch Jalen Green, you're thinking, oh man, this guy could be an absolute superstar, one of the best players in the NBA if he maximizes his full potential. So I've been really blown away by Jalen Green. And I think he does have an advantage in this environment because it's so similar to what he did last year in the G League. And he's talked about that after games. He said, this feels like a G League game, whereas other guys are adjusting to playing against older guys and the speed of the NBA game and things like that. So um, I, I do think that with Cade, I've been very impressed, you know, talking with him, just his maturity, you know, our Spencer Davies actually yesterday asked him a great question about, you know, how do you uh, try to, uh, you know, basically develop long-term while still, and, and try to get to where you want to go eventually as a player while still, you know, um, making the most of this rookie season, essentially, and, and adjust to the to the NBA where you're a guy that he, he's used to winning at every level throughout his entire life. And now you go to a team that's likely going to lose a lot of games. Like, how do you adjust there? And he had a great answer about how you can't rush things. There's, you know, basically he needs to take it game by game and, and you can't go to your, you can't fast forward to year three. So he needs to make the most of every opportunity. And he even said, you know, I know that this is just summer league, but you can take a ton of lessons from summer league and learn a ton of things. So I don't know. I think he does have a really good head on his shoulders and he seems very mature he has a very high basketball IQ as well so I've been impressed with Cade but if I had to say so so far who's blown me away the most I would say it's Jalen Green uh you know I, I I don't remember a rookie that's come out and had this great of a performance you know through a, for the first few games of summer league you know maybe like a Damian Lillard came out and just right. blew everyone away and you know when he came through uh Vegas but I mean he's just dominating out there and it's been really fun to watch yeah, I'm curious to see what's going to happen when they start when he starts playing the Kyrie Irving, the James Harden, the, the you know, the the guys who can absolutely crush your soul if you ain't ready for that. Because when they when you know what they'll see the comments where he says, you know, this is just kind of like G League game. And they're thinking like, <laughs> yeah, we, we got stuff for you, young fella. We got your G League over here. Uh, but you're right, though. I mean, he's been really good. I mean, there, there's no question about it. And, you know, there, there's there's going to obviously be debate between whether he should have been the next pick or should it have been our guy Mobley uh, with, with Cleveland, who I, I think is really, really good. Uh, it's a good conversation to have. It's a really good one to have. Yeah, now, I'm going to say something. It's kind of a hot take here. Uh, and I haven't said this because I don't want to get a lot of <laughs> backlash, but I think it's very possible, like 10 years from now, we're looking back at this draft and wondering why Cade Cunningham went before Jalen Green, Evan Mobley. That's very possible. Um, <laughs> and again, I think I think Cunningham is very safe. So I understand why you maybe be drawn to that. But as far as the upside and the ceiling, those two guys, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, I mean, their upside is just insane. So. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I hope that's not the case because, I, I mean, I hope Kate Cunningham has a great career. He seems like a great, great kid and has a very high basketball IQ. Again, things like that seems mature. Um, but I'm just – when I hear, like, people say generational talent and stuff attached to him, that's just very – that's very strong. That's very strong words. So, I don't know. I feel like, uh, you know, he's played well at every level that, you know, he's been at. And he's, you know, shined. But when you hear things like, oh, he's not that explosive, you know, he's not, not the most athletic guy, he's not the best shooter, uh, I don't know, there's some questions about him. So maybe he can be that, you know, Luca, Paul Pierce type. I know people compare him to those kind of players. And if that happens, great. But I don't know. I'm just, I think he has a high floor, but I don't know if his ceiling is as high as those other two. 
That's fair. That's fair. Closer to Celticsville, you have a guy like Yamadar. You know, really skilled player. Had a great first game for the Celtics. Uh, Second game, not so much. Uh, What are some of your early impressions of, of Yam? Yeah, so we actually we do a thing every day at basketballnews.com, you know, five studs and duds where we kind of break down, um, you know, who's playing really well in Vegas and who's struggling. I know yesterday he was one of our duds, you know, zero points, 0-3 from the field. They didn't really play that great. Um, but I think, you know, you, you just see that he's 20 years old. He has a ways to go with his development. Um, I think they're trying to play him off the ball and uh, – I don't know. I, I think he still has a ways to go. I do think that he has a, a, a bright NBA future and he can keep developing and, and could eventually, you know, be effective. But I think he has to know how to incorporate other moves than just his fadeaway in the mid range. And I think he needs to be a smarter passer. Um, we've seen some of the decisions that he's made haven't been great. Um, like there's one point where he's making, you know, taking like a 12 foot floater and it, it's pretty effective. It's smart. But then the next play he's, you know, pulling up for a jumper and getting blocked from behind. So I, I do think that, you know, the potential is there, but it, there's no question he needs time to develop. Uh, but I mean, I, I do think Boston can, can do a great job with that. They do a good job of working with these young guys and giving them a customized development plan and, and helping these guys reach their full potential. So um, there's really no rush for him either to, to step into a role right away. So I think eventually, Eventually, you know, they can work with him and, and, you know, help him reach his potential, but it's going to take some time. Yeah. I mean, he, he's got the, I mean, the physical dynamic, he just needs to get bigger and stronger, literally fit bigger and stronger. The other thing too, though, um, that I love is that he just has a really good feel for the game. Uh, there's there are little things that he does that are clear basketball IQ decisions. Uh, there, in that first game, uh, there, there was a point where, there was an inbound pass and he made this motion as if he was trying to set a back screen. And at the last minute, he just popped back out and was just wide open and drained a baseline jumper. And I'm thinking that is not something that was drawn up. That was him recognizing a situation, how to get himself free and making the most of it. And his little things I know the Celtics are excited about, but there are bigger things that they're not excited about. Like the fact that he's probably a buck 30, buck 40, maybe buck. He's a really thin dude. Uh, and and again, I, I'm potentially bully ball him. And that should never happen. That should never happen. But it is a very real possibility if he were in the NBA right now. I would love to see him back overseas I, one more year. Yeah, I think it's so hard that age, though, to like put weight on sometimes. Like yesterday, I think I told you, Sherrod, we were we were at um, we were at a gym here in Vegas uh, watching the Charlotte Hornets practice yesterday, and Lamelo Ball was practicing with him. And that guy is just so skinny. He, he's probably what 180 pounds. Like they were they were doing Maybe. some drills. He was just getting dominated in the post, like over and over again by all of his teammates. Uh, and you know, he's been super effective still. Obviously, you know, we all we know what Lamelo can do as a player. But um, I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know, he is 19 years old, and it's very tough at that age to put weight on, especially when you know you're practicing every day and playing 82 games, or you know, last year fewer games, but playing an NBA schedule, it's very difficult. So I agree with you. He needs to put on weight um, and, and that's going to be huge for his development. But we've seen so many guys, you know, once they enter the NBA and they can work with nutritionists and are part of that organization and they can kind of make that transformation. So I get why they drafted him and, you know, what they see in him because, you know, we could be talking about him bulking up and, and kind of figuring some of those things out. And 
you know, three, four years from now, he looks like a different player. So, um, yeah, I get it. I think also they're, they're, you know, Peyton Pritchard's running the offense. So they're asking him to play off the ball. I'm not sure if he's used to doing that. He might be used to having the ball in his hands. So we, we've seen with some of these guys uh, in summer league, they've talked about that being a big adjustment for them, you know, having to kind of learn to play off ball and haven't had a lot of experience with that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think he has potential, but they definitely do have to bulk him up. He is very tiny. You're right. Aaron Neesmith for the Celtics is another young in, but this is his first summer league. The fact that he gets to sort of develop his game during this off season. What have you seen from him? Yeah, he played amazing yesterday. Um, actually, our, I would recommend everyone uh, read this article that we did recently. Uh, our Spencer Davies interviewed Aaron and, you know, I was blown away by just his, it seems like he just loves the game. He was super excited about being able to be out in Vegas and get this opportunity to play. You know, he didn't have it last year. So, you know, he just was very excited and basically said he wasn't taking any time off and just wanted to keep working because, you know, he's, he's excited. And he kept talking about how, you know, he wants to take on a bigger role next year and, you know, be ready for those bigger minutes and bigger responsibilities. So um, I was impressed with the interview. I think, uh, you know, he seems like a, a nice young kid and I, I think he could be someone that, you know, steps into a bigger role. And then, yeah, yesterday, I mean, 33 points, seven rebounds, two assists. It was a very efficient game too, you know, 13 of 18 from the field. And then to go seven of nine from three, that was the kind of performance where you're you're starting to say, okay, maybe this kid doesn't need to play in summer league. Uh, yeah. that, that's that's the kind of performance. the way he did, to be honest. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. We've seen those kind of performances in the past where you deliver something like that, and then after you know the third or fourth game, you're on the sideline, Ooh, sitting right. courtside with your vet teammates watching the young guys play. So yeah, that was that was impressive. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, he hadn't played as well in the first game, so it was really good to see that. Um, you know, he was playing really well. You know, shooting the ball well off screens. Uh, maintaining his balance, uh, showing great consistency. You know, we also saw him kind of attacking off the dribble, which I think was good. He was driving a lot, pulling up from mid range. So yeah, I think that was that's what you want to see if you're Boston. You know, if you're if you're a second year guy, even though they didn't have summer league last year, any of these guys that have NBA experience, they should be dominating in this environment. Um, you know, some of the guys that have been really struggling in this environment as a second year guy, that's always concerning if you're a team. But summer league for these guys, it's a chance for them to up their confidence, take on different responsibilities, try new things that they've been working on uh, and just show their team what they're capable of doing. So I think it's great to see him, you know, playing that well. Uh, you know, it was really a kind of a, a struggle for him on Sunday. So I'm sure Boston was somewhat concerned. So to be able to step up and have that huge game, you know, yesterday uh, was, was probably, you know, very relieving for Boston. And he looked great. Yeah, he looked great, and our good friend Romeo Langford did not look great. Had the great dunk, had the great dunk, but <laughs> this is an all-star weekend. This is some, <laughs> exactly. so that dunk really happen. doesn't that dunk doesn't have the same kind of impact. Right. Um, how concerning do you think the Celtics are with Romeo, who, who doesn't look any worse, but doesn't exactly look that much better, even though now he's healthy? Yeah, that's been the thing. He's dealt with injuries. And again, for someone at his age, you, you want to see him, you know, be very effective. And, you know, even if you're not dominating in this in this environment, you want to see, you know, you want to be one of the better players on the floor. Uh, it just seemed like he wasn't very aggressive either. You know, uh, you know, two or four from the field. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, it's It wasn't a, a very impressive performance. So, 
I'm sure it's tough in this environment too. I will say because so many of these guys haven't played together. You have a lot of new faces. Like I'm doing an article right now about the Denver Nuggets summer league team where they were missing some guys because of COVID. They had eight players that, you know, came and played. I know Bones Highland, their rookie, he flew in and, you know, he got to Vegas two hours before the game started. So it is always kind of crazy. You've had like a week of practice time with these guys. There's no chemistry. There's like six plays and then you're told to go out there and just play well. Um, But Again, you would think that guys like Romeo Langford and some of these older players, you know, Orlando's seeing it right now with someone like Cole Anthony. You know, he's someone that has kind of struggled and should be dominating. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think that's where uh, it is somewhat frustrating, I'm sure, for Boston. But I don't know. He is still very young. Uh, he still has upside. And look, maybe, you know, he finishes Summer League strong. Uh, I don't want to overreact. It is a very small sample size in Summer League. Um, so hopefully it can turn things around, but yeah, it wasn't a great performance and, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure they're gonna tell him to be more aggressive. That's the, that's the first thing you can't just, you can't take that few shots in summer league when, you know, you're one of the best players in the floor for your team. Kwani. It's game time. Game time. <laughs> I tell you that there were games on this show. Yes, he did. I'm excited. I love it. He warned you. Good. <laughs> <laughs> So our first game is called Fill in the Lane. I'm going to give you a prompt and you fill in the blank for it. Okay. Well, here's your first prompt. Blank will be so much better in their second year in the NBA. Oh, man. Um, I'm going to say RJ Hampton. Um, I think he's someone that didn't get to play a whole lot in Denver last year, got traded to Orlando. Um, I did an interview with him toward the end of the season once he was with the Magic, and I was very impressed with uh, his maturity, and it was really – it's crazy. He, he said he was happy for, for Denver that they got someone like Aaron Gordon who could help them right away, and he was, like, praising Gordon's fit on the Nuggets, and, you know, just to hear a kid that age, you know, basically say how happy he was for the team that traded him. I thought that was really cool, first of all. But then um, – it was a win-win trade. He basically kept saying that now he gets a chance to play and show what he could do. He showed flashes at the end of last year with Orlando, and he's someone that is just a freak athlete. Uh, you know, he's a great, great athlete, and he's getting better as a player. He's looked good here in Vegas. And I think he's kind of showcasing what he can do. I'm curious to see what Orlando does with their team because they have so many of these talented young guards with Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, RJ Hampton, Markel Fultz. Like, I'm, I really think we're going to see a lot of three-guard lineups from Orlando. And that was something that I asked, uh, you know, Jamal Mosley about. And he said, you know, it's a great question. Uh, we'll see. He didn't want to tip his hand too much, but it's seeming like that's what we're going to see from them. And, uh, you know, Hampton and, and Cole Anthony have kind of alluded to that as well. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I think he's someone that played well when he was in New Zealand, uh, you know, prior to his rookie season in the NBA. Uh, and he showed flashes over there, too. He's still super young, uh, but I think – with more playing time and, and, you know, the ball in his hands more, I think we can see him have a pretty big year. So he's not one of the top guys, but he doesn't, I think he's being forgotten a little bit from that rookie group. So I think he could actually break out uh, this upcoming season. Okay. The opportunity is there. I'll say that. Okay. All right. Our second game is called pick and roll. I'm going to give you a few players and then a prompt, and then you pick one and tell us why you're rolling with them. So we have Ben Simmons, Damian Lillard, and Bradley Beal. Blank will be the first on the move because of what? Oof. Okay, I'm going to go Ben Simmons. Um, here's why. 
Actually, that's tough. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll go Ben that's Simmons. Even better. <laughs> I'll go Ben Simmons. But here's why it's tough. So I have heard that Daryl Morey doesn't want to trade Ben Simmons until he's absolutely sure that Damian Lillard isn't available because he would be devastated if they traded Ben Simmons and then Dame Lillard requested a trade weeks later and he wasn't able to get in that mix. So, but I don't think that necessarily is coming right away. Dame, you know has talked about their their struggles in free agency the fact that they didn't add anyone he basically just you know said it's what happens you know we're trying our best uh he was focused on the olympics uh i do think eventually dame will change teams uh but i, I think what's going to happen with with philly is that they're going to come down from their huge asking price and simmons is going to be moved sooner than later after the way joel Embiid and doc rivers threw him under the bus at the you know you at the end of that <laughs> yeah, like there's no way that can work. And maybe he goes back and plays a few games here and there just to help his stock a bit and show, hey, I am the defensive player of the year runner up. You know, I still can, you know, average close to a triple double and, and be a great facilitator and da 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 da. But there's not a long term future in Philly anymore. We all see that. Um, Lillard has been so patient with this Blazers organization, and I think he really wants to make it work there. So I'm, I think he's going to give this roster a try. And but then. Maybe before the trade deadline, something happens, or next off season, that's where we start seeing Lillard, you know, request a trade and him be on the move. With Beal, it's interesting because people that are, you know, around the situation, they think it's very possible he signs the supermax and stays in Washington for, you know, several more years. Uh, he's very close to Spencer Dinwiddie; they're good friends. They have talked about, you know, how they believe they can recruit free agents to Washington together. So. It would not surprise me. Everyone wants to steal Beal away from Washington. Yeah, all these executives that are circling like vultures that desperately wanted to request out. I know a lot of fans are frustrated with Beal because they want him on their team and he's not requesting out. But it would not surprise me if Beal stays in Washington, not just this whole season, but for several more years after that on a Supermax extension. I think he's the least likely of that group to be traded in the near future. There we have it. Yeah. How would you rank that, Sherrod? For both of you, how would you guys, what would your list be? Ben, first one on the move. I mean, since you have recorded sources, so I can't, you know, refute your Bradley Beal one, but he would have been my pick because of the way him and Tatum have been, one, really close with each other. But also the subtweeting is what's getting to him. Him and Kamaya, they've been subtweeting so much that I'm just like, something's going to happen. I don't know what it is. That's true. Well, and Beal's interesting because he can fit on literally every team in the NBA. That's so true. if you if he was available, I mean, the offers that Washington's getting, I'm sure they're just ridiculous because mm-hmm. they have so many teams entering that bidding war. Um, so, yeah, it's just interesting to see the the Dinwiddie thing helps. And they've had a – quietly, they had a really good offseason. I think that's yeah. not being talked about very much. You know, they had a good draft. They've added some really good players. They actually may have gotten better after that Westbrook trade which is kind of crazy but they added multiple rotation players a couple starters Spencer Dinwiddie you know I think they could actually be a playoff team this year again and they may have gotten better which is pretty pretty crazy to think about you know usually that Westbrook deal we heard about how it was untradeable and and all that and you know they actually made they got a pretty good return for it yeah and and they were ravaged by injuries last year and so yeah. you know and I the COVID outbreak they, and, oh yeah exactly yep so who would your breakout second year player be Aaron Neesmith, without yeah. question, without yeah. question. And he's, I mean, to me, it's about him just getting more reps, uh, showing what he can do. Uh, to me, he's like Chris Middleton 2.0. Uh, not a coincidence they went to the same high school. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, and, and, and 
one of our guests on the A-list podcast, Jerry Stackhouse, said he was going to be an all-star in five years. And yeah. I've been around Jerry Stackhouse for about too long to go into. Jerry does not lie. He, no, he knows his stuff. Straight. He knows his stuff. So uh, if he says he's going to be an all-star in five years, then damn it, I'm going to invest in that stock right now. <laughs> Put my chips in right now. All in. All in on your answer is going to be more Absolutely. popular with Celtics fans than my answer. Uh, but I like that one. That was good. He's playing to the I agree, too. <laughs> oh, goodness. Wow. This has been fun. Yeah. Thank you guys Vegas for having Wi-Fi and everything. This has been we fun. We got the CCO of basketballnews.com. Like, who would have imagined? <laughs> Our little <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'll I'll be back in three years when I just have some random title as a writer somewhere when I'm when I'm fired at basketball news and I'll be begging you guys to have me on. Uh, don't worry, I'll be back. I'll be back as a writer sometime soon. Oh, stop it! <laughs> oh my goodness. I appreciate you guys having me though. Thank you so much. This is fun. This was great. This was great. Alex Kennedy, CCO of BasketballNews.com. Lots of really good writers and they're great podcasters uh shout out to uh, my, my boy mr james posey who's part of the basketballnews.com family uh also my boy etan uh from syracuse uh, another part of the uh podcasting right i think he writes for you guys as well um, yeah he writes for us and he, he has a he writes every week and he has a podcast with us we also do these live watch parties where we all watch a game together he's always on those so he's been amazing him and posey both we also have kenya martin rex chapman it's been a lot of fun it's been great yeah, so absolutely check out basketballnews.com. Lots of great content, written, podcasts, and otherwise on there. And, again, Alex, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate you coming on, man. This was great. Yeah, anytime. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Right. I'll see you, buddy. Take care. <laughs> My man, Alex Kennedy from basketballnews.com. Great stuff. Great yeah. stuff. Good good stuff on the Celtics. Good stuff on the NBA in general. But just for you, Quanny, I mean, what, what jumped out to you about our conversation? Everything. I mean, <laughs> the conversation was so good, but really having that analysis, I know you're also in Vegas, but the perspective of specifically the Celtics players that are in Vegas right now, having someone with a more outside lens, not that you're biased, but really just speak to what this team looks like in the summer league, but also the moves that Brad Stevens has made. And again, another outsider just giving more perspective on what the rest of the NBA world thinks about it. I think Celtics fans that are listening would be very encouraged to hear that not only is Brad looking at the future, but the future so far is looking a little bright when it comes to the players as well. Yeah. I, I thought that, yeah, for me, that was the best part of the conversation is just really looking at Brad and what he's done and just how that's per perceived from someone other than folks who deal with Brad on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that perspective is, is very important because it gives you a sense of not only uh, perspectives outside of Boston, but, but in a more grander sense, perspectives of other teams uh, and yeah. how they look at the Celtics. I know I've, I've, I've talked to a couple of folks who have been impressed with what Brad has been able to do in a very, relatively short period of time. And the one thing that one uh, player personnel executive mentioned to me to, this afternoon was that Brad, in a very short period of time, has hasn't really tried to be Danny Ainge 2.0 yet he hasn't tried to be like you know 180 degree version of Danny Ainge he's just been himself and it's yeah. working for him and you never really know when coaches make that transition from the bench to the front office 
how they're going to change. What are they going to be doing differently? Will they have certain things that help them to be successful as a coach? Can those translate to the front office? And so far, the early returns look very good and very promising for Brad Stevens and the Boston Celtics. That is true. The future is in good hands. Yes, and the future of the podcast is in good hands. Another shout-out to our folks at betonline.ag. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and leave Kwani and me what we crave every day. Five (laughs) stars. Five stars. That's what we want. It was podcast. That's what we want. So, again, just another shout-out to betonline.ag for their continued support. Mm Shout-out to our guy, Alex Kennedy, who was really amazingly awesome on the podcast this week uh and we'll be back next week with more goods uh on the nba on the celtics and all that and then some for Kwani a lunas a shrop blakely the a-list podcast we are out <laughs>